0: so glad you could join us for the second part of a teaching that I think is so important for the body of Christ. We're talking about, will the church go through the tribulation period? Now, if you haven't already seen um, part one of this, I really suggest you go back and review this because there's a lot of good uh, introductory material that kind of explains the difference in escapism uh, as some people claim the church is trying to escape tribulation as opposed to the, the scripture teaching of escaping the wrath of God. So keep in mind that no one's trying to escape tribulation. Too late for that. With 70 million, or 70, uh, million martyrs since the time of Christ, with, do you realize that there's someone being martyred every six, every six minutes? A Christian is being martyred somewhere in the world. With that kind of martyrdom going on, there is no escaping tribulation. So we're not talking about escaping problems. We're not talking about escaping tribulation. We're not talking about escaping trials or temptations or getting out of anything, really. I mean, the church has been an army ever since it was born. So we're not talking about escaping problems. What we're talking about is escaping a particular time referred to as the wrath of God, the day of God's vengeance, who He tramples this earth. And the Bible talks about Him walking the earth as though He's treading upon grapes, as the, as the vine dresser treads upon grapes. And so as I explained in the last teaching uh, we're going to be going through two seasons of tribulation in this seven-year period that we call the seven years of tribulation. One is called wrath, and some, or some people refer to it as tribulation and great tribulation. Uh, one, one section is referred to in the book of Revelation as the wrath of the Lamb, and then the second half is referred to as the wrath of God. Now, the reason there's two distinctions is because we will move from... Um, natural disasters into supernatural disasters. The first three and a half years of the tribulation period is a time of natural disaster, pestilence and earthquakes and, and all kinds of issues, wars breaking out. It is a time of world chaos. But then the second half of this is a time of unnatural disasters, supernatural disasters. We're going to see things happen on this earth that have never happened before. Demon locusts being released, blood falling from the sky, meteors poisoning the sea and the water systems, all kinds of things like that that the world has never seen. The purpose of that, as I pointed out in the first part of this teaching, is to judge the enemies of God, not to judge the church. As a matter of fact, the teaching is very, very consistent all through the Bible that God wants us to escape His wrath when it comes to judgment. All right, so I want to continue that teaching. First of all, let me go back to the the chart and point out a couple of things to you just to bring you up to speed if you didn't catch it last time. The first thing I want you to notice is that everybody in the in Christianity believes, with the exception of a very small minority who believe in amillennialism, which believes that it's all uh, there is no real literal uh, millennial reign of Christ; that it's a spiritual metaphor. And there's a small group, there's a small group in Christian called Preterists that believe that the book of Revelation was already fulfilled in 70 A.D. Again, that's a very small spectrum of, of Christianity. The majority of Christianity believes in this. They believe that there is going to be a rapture. Some believe that it's pre-tribulation, some mid-tribulation, and some believe that it's at the end of the tribulation. They also believe there is going to be a literal millennial reign of Christ and um, the great white throne judgment, and then there is the eternity begins. <clears throat> now, the second coming of Christ happens at the end of the tribulation. So it's according to where your stance is, pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, or, or, pre- or, or post-trib, where you believe that the rapture is going to take place. There has to be a rapture. We have to go up and be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. That has to happen. So I personally believe in pre-tribulation rapture for all all the reasons that I'm teaching in this lesson, will the church go through the tribulation period? I believe the answer to that is emphatically, no, we will not go through the tribulation period because it's the wrath of God on the earth. Others believe that we will go through, and then we'll kind of be raptured and come back down. It's like we, be, we become glorified, and then we come back down to the earth. And so um, I wanted you to kind of see this, because this is the premise of what we're talking about in this timeline. So there has to be a rapture. There has to be a tribulation period. There has to be a millennial reign of Christ, a thousand years on the earth. There has to be a second coming, and of course that happens before the millennial reign. And then there has to be the great white throne judgment and the beginning of all eternity. So most of all Christians believe those things. It's just the order of when that's going to happen. So my personal belief is I believe in pre-tribulation rapture. So that means that I believe that the church is going to be raptured before the tribulation. Why do I believe that? Well, the first half of this teaching explained many reasons, and I went through lots of scriptures explaining that. So now I want to go through a few more verses of scripture that are also going to uh, support and fortify this teaching that the church will not go through the tribulation period. Let's look, first of all, at the days of Noah, all right? So Hebrews 11 and 7 says, By faith, Noah being warned of God of the things not seen as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Now, the Bible compares the days of Noah to the end time climate around the time of the rapture of the church. Well, if you look at that very literal, what happened in the days of Noah? The earth was becoming increasingly more wicked that is exactly what's going on right now. The earth is becoming increasingly more wicked. But in addition to that, God made a way of escape for Noah and his family because the wrath of God was being poured out on the earth. So the days of Noah is not only an example that Christ used to explain and set up the premise For end time theology, but also to set up rapture theology that Noah and his family were in a type of rapture, a type in shadow of the rapture where the uh, ark was floated above the judgment of God. So they were caught up and the judgment was below and destroyed everything evil on the earth. And then there was a new beginning. I'm gonna break that down a little bit later in a teaching where we're gonna talk about types and shadows and you'll see it even more clearly. I just wanna say thank you to all of our ministry partners who help us take the gospel around the world and train pastors and leaders around the world. Uh, Because of you, we have been able to do so much for the kingdom and expand the kingdom of God. Uh, I was able to train over 5,000 church planters just in the country of India alone. We've worked all through Africa as well as Europe. Uh, every year I go to Romania and train pastors, and we've trained hundreds of pastors there in, in Romania. We've graduated over 3,000 pastors from programs, certificate programs, just in Central America. Uh, our teams and our, the young men and women that I've taken on the field with me, numerous uh, young ministers who I just want to give them experience and, and uh, help them to get their feet wet in ministry. We have gone around the world spreading the gospel, and none of this is possible without you. I just want to say thank you for your continued support, whether it's a one-time donation of any size or whether it is a, a monthly donation that you've decided to partner with us uh, monthly. I just want to say thank you for that. And for those of you that are looking for ways to give to this ministry, because it is a good seed to sow in, and we're doing things around the world, here's a screen that would tell you some easy ways that you can give to this ministry. But once again, I just say thank you from the bottom of my heart and from all of those lives that you are changing. It is my honor to be your ambassador to the world. Another uh, example that Christ uses is as it was in the days of Lot. So, <clears throat> in the days of Lot, without going into uh, the diatribe that most people go into talking about the homosexuality and all the issues that were going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, I just want to tell you it was an evil time where people were practicing l- uh, lewd living, lascivious living, and it was out. It was off the charts. It was. Um, It was an unprecedented time of sexual immorality, but also violence and um, greed, all kinds of other things set the tone, not just the sexual immorality, but all kinds of things set the tone for the days of Lot. Now, in the days of Lot, I want to read from Genesis chapter 19, verse 17, where it begins to talk about God's deliverance of Lot from the wrath of God that was to come upon Sodom and Gomorrah. So in Genesis 19, verse 17, it says, So it came to pass when they had uh, brought them outside that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you or stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. And Lot said, Please know, my lords. And he's talking to the angels who came to deliver them. Indeed, now your servant, is if he's found favor in your sight, uh And you have increased your mercy, which you've shown to us by saving our lives. I cannot escape to the mountains. Something evil will overtake me and I will die there, he says. Verse 20, he says, see, there's this small little town, this little city that is so small that it's, it's not much to even, you know, take into account. He says, let me flee to there. And they said, "Okay, because you have found favor with us. We will not overthrow that little city. It was a city called Zoar. And then he says in verse 22, hurry and escape there for uh, I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar, which means it's insignificant. Now, notice what the angel said. I cannot let judgment come until you're safe. I cannot do anything. I cannot call down the fire of God, the wrath of God on Sodom and Gomorrah until you are completely out of here and you are safe. Now, that's interesting to me that not only did God rescue them, God rescued them before the wrath actually began. And that is a very strong argument for a pattern of the rapture preceding the time of tribulation on the earth. Well, it's not just the days of Lot and the days of Noah. How about the children of Israel uh, escaping from Egypt in the book of Exodus? Uh, For the Lord will pass through, he says in in Exodus chapter 12, verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over you, and listen to this, not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. Now, again, that was a type and shadow. The Passover was a type and shadow of Jesus. It was a type and shadow of the cross, the blood of Jesus. They took the blood of a lamb and they put it on the doorpost. And what's interesting is where they put it on the doorpost, on the top and on the sides. He could have just said to put it on the top, but it was a portrait of the cross. It was a portrait of when Christ blood will be on his head and it will be on his feet because, see, the blood on the top of the doorpost dripped down to the ground. So you see four blood stains on the door, the top, the bottom on the ground, and the two sides, which was a portrait of Jesus dying on the cross. we has the blood on his head, the, the nails in his hands, and the nails in his feet. So as a type and shadow of not only the cross, not only death, conqu- conquering death, but also God bringing wrath on the, a, a, and judgment upon the Egyptians who were the enemies of Israel, and He's going to allow them to escape before that happens because of the blood. That is another very clear picture in Scripture where God's wrath was not poured out on His people and He made a way of escape for them. But it it doesn't stop there. I mean, there's many, many other cases. For instance, how about Rahab, who is delivered from death in Jericho? Now, Jericho is the first city to be conquered. The Lord even said that uh, you can't even take a, a, a gold coin out of Jericho. You can't even bring any cloth out of Jericho. God was going to completely destroy it as a type of tithe of the promised land, something that was offered to God. But not only that, God was destroying the enemies of Israel so they could occupy the land. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. But by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe for she had received the spies in peace. In other words, Rahab's belief in God is what saved her from the wrath of God when Jericho was completely destroyed and of course she has a great story in the Bible becoming the great 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 grandmother of King David so she is she becomes a a, uh, a huge part of the Davidic line later on as she marries into the as she marries into the, the tribe of Judah. So God has provided a way of escape. Now not only that, the Bible says, during the time of the tribulation, that God is also going to provide a way of escape for the Jewish people. Now in Daniel chapter 11 verse 41, It says, He shall enter the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape from His hand, Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. He's talking about when the Antichrist comes into the the land, that they're going to flee to the mountains and be saved. Not only that, there there is a group of Jewish people that are sealed in their foreheads by the knowledge of God. They're protected during the tribulation period because you see the part of the tribulation period is to turn the Jewish people back to Messiah to see who Messiah truly is and turn their hearts back. And so he he says in the Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter seven, verse three, do not harm the earth, the sea or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So again, he says, we're sealing this 144,000 Jewish people who become a sign and a wonder. And uh, not only that, they are raptured. This 144,000 Jewish people are actually raptured in the middle of the tribulation period. And that is the sign that turns all the Jewish people back to the Messiah. When they see these... Now, why does the Bible say that they're, they're sealed on their forehead? Well... I don't think that it's a literal seal, but I do believe that it is knowledge. Their eyes are open. I believe that 12,000 from all the tribes will begin to say Jesus is the Messiah, and they're going to see a distinction between those who have now started claiming that Jesus is Messiah and the Jewish people who are rejecting that message. I believe all the trips to Israel, you know, I'll be leading a trip to Israel this year, and I believe that all the trips to Israel where they're hearing the gospel message, the Jewish people, the guides that are there, that are taking all these Christian groups around. They're hearing the gospel message continually. I believe that's part of God's plan for sealing the foreheads of these 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And I believe that when they, their knowledge is sealed and, or their, their foreheads are sealed with the knowledge of Christ and then they are raptured off of the earth You see, one of the the misconceptions when people are talking about the raptures, they think the rapture is a single event. And the rapture is not a single event. There are many raptures in the Bible. We're only talking about the rapture of the church. So when you look at the pattern of raptures, you see Enoch, you see Elijah, you see Jesus. Jesus is taken up into a cloud. He could have gone another way. He could have just disappeared But no, the Bible says that he was taken up into a cloud and said this same Jesus that you've seen taken from you will in like manner return. He too set up the pattern. You're going to see the rapture of the church. You're going to see the rapture of the 144,000. You're going to see the rapture of the two witnesses that are in the book of Revelation. They come down. Many people believe that's Enoch and Elijah or some people say Moses and Elijah. They're going to come down and witness. They're going to do miracles. They're going to call fire down down from heaven. They're going to stop the rain. They're going to do all of these mighty miracles. They're going to be killed. They're going to lay in the streets for three days and at the end of three days, they're going to be resurrected. Do you see the patterns here? They're two, the number of Jesus, they're witnesses on the earth, they're dead for three days, the same number he was in the grave, they are resurrected, the whole earth sees them, all the cameras are on them, everyone has despised them because of their message and then guess what? Right in front of everybody, with every TV camera on, these two witnesses are raptured right there, begin to be raised up right in in the sights of all of mankind. That's a bona fide rapture. Then you've got the rapture of the wheat and the tare at the end. where you've, you, you, That's the rapture of the evil people, not the church. That's when the wicked people are removed from the earth. And the Bible says cast into the lake of fire. So when you begin to see the rapture as one event, well, you can really get confused because there are many moments throughout scriptures where people are called up, which is what the word rapture means. That's what it means, harpazo in in Greek, which basically means to be caught up. So keep in mind that these Jewish people are not only raptured, they're sealed, they are protected, they flee the wrath of God that is coming to the earth. Um, There's this powerful passage of scripture that many people overlook as a rapture passage, but it's one of my favorite rapture passages, and it's in the book of Malachi. Malachi begins in chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, let me just read. I just want to read some of this to you. This is one of my favorite passages to preach on in the Bible. It says in uh, Malachi three sixteen. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened to them and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord. A book of remembrance. And listen to why, why that book was written. It says, it was written before him for those who fear the Lord and those who meditate on his name. Here's what, the, what is written in the book. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day, not the week, not the month, on the day that I make them my jewels and I will spare them. As a man spares his own son who serves him, then you shall again dis- discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve God. Continue reading. This is chapter 4, but it's part of the same passage. He says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble, and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. They will leave; they will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, it's the same thing he's talking about. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall what? Go out. You shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, he basically is telling us that a book of remembrance, that's, uh, in my church, we used to sing a song years ago that I don't hear anyone singing anymore, but when I was a boy, they sang a song called, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, I'll Be There. I never really understood that song, other than I thought there had to be a roll call somewhere. I used to think it was the book of life, but I realize now that, Every one of us have a book of life. There is a book of life for me. There's a book of life for you. There's a book of life for every person you know. And it's from that book of our life that we're judged out of, the good things and the bad things. That is how we're rewarded, and that is how we're judged. So the book of life wasn't like a roll call of names. But there is a roll call, and it's called the book of remembrance. The Lord wrote names down in the book of remembrance Why would he call it that? God is remembering those who who meditated on him day and night. God is remembering those who called upon his name. Listen how the verse starts. He he, He said, those who feared the Lord, who spoke to one another, and the Lord listened to them and heard them. God's talking about prayer. He's talking about sermons. He's talking about teaching. God is saying for those who spoke to one another and the Lord listened to the things they were saying. He listened to them expound upon the scriptures. He heard their prayers. Those are the ones who fear the Lord, who meditate on his name day and night. They shall be mine. Hallelujah. They shall be mine, the Lord says, on the day that I will, I will make them my jewels and spare them as a father spares his son. That's what that malachi teaching is about it's not just about uh god bringing judgment upon the earth it's about god sparing those he loves those who did his bidding yes says there's a wicked day coming where the wicked will be burned up like stubble and we see that but those who call upon the lord those who fear him they shall go out like stall fed calves. That means they have no worry for anything because the son of righteousness is going to rise, arise with healing in his wings and take us away. I believe in the rapture. I not only believe in the rapture, I believe that the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation begins because the tribulation is not about going through hard times. We've all been through hard times. It's not about being afraid of being a martyr too late for that. 70 million martyrs. There's no way we have escaped that in, in, the, in the body of Christ. It's not about getting rid of trials and temptations. We deal with those every single day. It's about one thing. It's about being spared from the wrath of God, the day of God's vengeance when He tramples the earth like a vine dresser trampling the grapes, that is the day God wants to spare us from because that is not about judging the church. That is about judging the world and and the enemies of Israel. And it's about bringing Israel back to God. And I believe that we will go out. I believe the Son of righteousness will arise. I believe the roll call of the rapture is already written. And I'm just waiting on the trumpet to sound. God bless you.